Only I, Daniel, saw the vision. The men who were with me did not see the vision. They were overwhelmed by fear and trembling, so they ran away to hide. Um, I'm reminded of in Acts 9 when Paul is, uh, uh, sees the vision of Christ. On the, he's almost to Damascus and he sees Jesus. And the men with him hear the sound but don't know what the words were and so forth. And uh, that happens occasionally in scripture. A heavenly being speaks and only one guy knows and the rest hear thunder or something. They don't really know what it's saying. Happens when, uh, sometimes when God the Father speaks too. Um, but uh, so they were, what do you do when you see an angel? They were overwhelmed by fear and trembling, so they ran away to hide. Pretty common reaction to an angel. I was left alone, so they ran away so far that he was alone. That's, you know, they really ran away. Um, and I saw this great vision. No strength was left in me. My appearance changed for the worse. I became very pale I think NIV maybe said deathly pale there, and I had no strength. I said that Daniel falls to poetry here because this last couple sentences is a chiasm. It's an A-B-B-A pattern. So if A is his strength and B is his appearance, it's A, no strength was left in me. B, my appearance changed. C, or rather B again, I became very pale, and then A again, I had no strength. So A, B, B, A. So he falls to poetry to describe what he was like. How would you know if you became deathly pale without a mirror? You might feel the blood drain from your face, actually. And, and uh, yeah. Yeah. Also, we're not told maybe everything that the angel told him. Maybe the angel, you know, you know said something about it. I don't know. It's by... But it's the Tigris, it's the stormy river, the, the not, not calm and, and, and conducive to reflection. Um, but, but, I like the way you think. That's good, that's excellent. Nine, I heard the sound of his words. Ah, there, there it is again. And as I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep, face down with my face to the ground. So he fell down. Um, then the question is, is this vision a, a dream or not? But I'm just going to keep giving stuff away because we're going to move through this. He, the, the, he gets woken up. Stand up. You know, there, in fact, that's a whole point coming up here. So, but he does actually fall asleep for a moment. And we, you know, human beings do that. Uh, there are times where we feel deep trauma, um, deep sadness or something else, sometimes fear, and we retreat into sleep. Uh, and that can be a great gift that God gives us, allowing time to pass uh, while kind of the body recovers from the mind's remark. I mean, this obviously affected him physically as well as mentally, emotionally. So the body um, allows, uh, God allows the body to, to find the peace, the rest of sleep. Um, which is important. It's not just how we recover from physical illnesses, but from physical traumas as well. Then a hand touched me and pulled me up, trembling to my hands and knees. He said to me, Daniel, you are a highly valued man. Um, you have found great favor, highly favored, right? Um, similar to the kinds of things that Gabriel would say. 
Um, understand the words, there they are again, that I am speaking to you. Stand up where you are because now I have been sent to you. When he spoke this word to me, I stood up shaking. So for two verses here, quite a large paragraph almost, we're spent on just the, 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 the idea of Daniel being awakened. Daniel, wake up and stand up. Why spend so much time on this? Well, I think it's to show that this wasn't a dream, that this is actually happening, but there's also something else going on. And it might be something visual, not a parable, but something visual for us to key into. Daniel had collapsed all the way down to the ground. And now, what is it that's picking him up and strengthening him? Look at the last sentence. The word. The word, the word, the word. Um, This is a message, a visual message for Israel at this time. You're down, but God is sending his message. God is sending his word through whatever messenger, whether it's angel, prophet, pre-incarnate Christ, um, a a preacher in the synagogue, or mom at the bedside. uh, uh, The word of God strengthens us and builds us up And not just a message for Israel, therefore. So it's a message for all of us. Uh, Things get bad and it seems like a wheel's coming off our country. And what's happening? God sends his word to comfort us. Um, One of the minorest of the minor prophets, Nahum. Nahum 1.7, the Lord is good, a refuge in a day of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. God is there for us um, to help us and protect us and sending his word to his, here, his servant Daniel, um, and, uh, and, but to all of us, to Israel, to, to Christianity, to you personally. He said to me, do not be afraid, Daniel, because from the first day that you began to commit your heart to gaining understanding, And to humbling yourself before God, your words have been heard, and I have come in response to your words. So, from the very beginning, when Daniel wanted to gain understanding, two things gain understanding and humble himself. So, why do we humble ourselves before God? Well, usually it's that part of the prayer that says, I'm sorry for my sins, forgive us as a nation, forgive me personally, or. Uh, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And we continue with those very two important following petitions. Lead us not into temptation. That is, don't let me even stumble into temptation, but deliver us from evil and from the evil one. Um, So from the very moment that Daniel started praying that, the angel says, I have been on my way. I have come. How long has Daniel been humbling himself? 21 days, three weeks. Yeah. Now what does the angel say? Verse 13. However, an officer or prince of the kingdom of Persia was standing against me for 21 days. And I I don't think we have to read any spiritual significance into the number 21 here. I think it's how long Daniel had been praying. 
And that's how long this angel had been delayed getting to Daniel. That's what I think is going on here. So uh, we were told at the very beginning of the chapter that Daniel has been in mourning and not eating right and not anointing himself for three weeks. That's 21 days. And now this sar, Hebrew sar, remember what the word Sarah means? Princess, princess, princess. Sarah, princess, so guess, sar, prince, yeah, yeah. An officer or uh, or prince of the kingdom of Persia, and that guy we take to be some kind of evil angel, a demon, somebody in the in the in the veil. God has torn open the sky to show Daniel what's going on behind the scenes, the kind of stuff you don't want to see. Um, this evil angel, uh, an officer, the EHV says, for the kingdom of Persia was standing against me for twenty-one days. So. If Satan's angels have assignments, that tells us all kinds of additional things, right? That means that there is planning and strategy and organization among the demons. They are not just randomly chaotic creatures who battle against themselves because there are some religions and denominations that think that Satan's angels and kingdom are not organized. But this really suggests organization, that there's even maybe an officer or a prince in charge of an... Of a, and by the way, here, Persia, would it be... Uh, geographic or political or racial? And I think the answer is, yeah, probably one of those. I don't know what. Would, would Persia, if it's political, then the same demon might be overseeing Persia for all of the existence of Persia, right? And then when Persia falls, he gets reassigned. Oh, Persia fell. And you know what? You work for the Ottomans now. Or whatever it would be. Um, uh, so, could there be a demon who's constantly battling, for example, against uh, uh, the Wisconsin Synod? Or Confessional Lutherans? Or the United States government? You know, or the mayor of New Ulm? Poor guy. Or, or what would it be? And, and yet, who does Israel get as its defender? Well, Michael. One of the chief officers, who can tell me the difference grammatically between singular and plural? Singular means one, plural means many, or at least more than one. What kind of word is officers, singular or plural? Plural. Now, Michael, the guy in this verse, by the way, his name is Hebrew, it means who is like God? Mikael. Who, me, ka, is like El. God, Mikael, who was like, by the way, Michelle, same thing, Michael, Michelle. Uh, Michael is one of the chief officers. He is called in the New Testament the archangel. But here he is called one of the chief officers. If archangel and chief officer are the same title, how many archangels might there be? More than one. Yeah, more than one. Now, if chief officer is not an archangel, but 
archangel is a different position but still has the one. Like chief officer might be cabinet minister and archangel, his other title might be commanding general or admiral. Then we might only have one archangel because the word archangel itself only occurs in the singular. But Michael's other title here occurs in the plural. So could be more than one archangel. Anyway, Michael came to help me, for I had been left there against the kings of Persia. And here it is a little confusing, but I think that kingdom of Persia in the beginning of this verse and kings of Persia correspond. But the officer at the beginning of the verse is a demon. And yet the kingdom of Persia seems to be human geographic or political structure. Are you following me? So at the end of the verse, my point is the kings of Persia might be human kings and not other demons. But the, I, I had, I'd been left there or I'd been detained by the kings of Persia. I, it was, it's the interworkings of this nation that have kept me where I was. Um, or something going on with this that kept me where I was. Anyway, um, we're, uh, let's, let's, let's keep moving here. 14, I have come to explain to you. Now, what happens is, in my illustration from Green Acres earlier, the, were you here for that, Mark, or did you miss that? Okay, well, anyway, the door has been picked up and put back in place. And we're now going to just talk about what Daniel can see in the future and not about the hidden kingdom. So I've come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the latter days, that is, days after this, because the vision concerns days still to come. So the real point of the vision is the immediate future. And by immediate, I mean, well, skip 200 years, but Alexander the Great and his successors, what's going to happen in the 300s B.C.? Because in chap by the way, chapters 10, 11, and 12 are all part of the same thing. There's, there's, no, there's no new introduction. And chapter 11 is all about the, 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 um, the, um, the Macedonian conquest of Alexander conquering Persia. So it's the second and third kingdoms in the, in the, in the other visions or the ram and the goat in the in the more recent vision and so forth. It's the immediate future for Daniel because Daniel's people are going to think, okay, we've been released from captivity and now what's going on? The world is exploding all around us. There's chaos. More than one wheel has come off the car. And what's going on with our country? And God says, I've got you. I'm with you. Don't be afraid. That's the point of this vision and, the, and these chapters is God saying it's going to be okay. Very important thing to happen. So in between now, Daniel, and the coming of the Messiah, things are going to get crazy, but I've got you. That's what we're doing here. As he spoke these words to me, words again, I pressed my face to the ground, my face to the ground and was silent. So again, he then someone whose form was like a son of man was touching my lips. Okay, before I said we're not going to talk until the very end about is this Christ or not, but now I have to ask the question. We got two different 
angelic beings here? Is this a new one? Or is it the same one who I... So do you mind if pastorally I look at you all and shrug and say the Holy Spirit knows more than I do because I don't know? Sorry. Um, uh, Because, you know, in in, in the end, uh, what uh, Professor Plitzwhite used to say to us in class when I was going to pastor school, this is Northwestern College, he used to look at us with his Bible in his hand and he'd say, you got the same Bible Bible I do. You know, sometimes I can't answer your question. It's, it's, It's not like there's extra meaning sometimes in the Hebrew. Sometimes it's just what you see. And that's all I got. I, I, I can't tell you more. So, someone whose form was like a son of man. By the way, common expression in the book of Ezekiel for a human being. In fact, God calls Ezekiel son of man over and over and over again. Son of man, son of man, human. So I opened my mouth and I spoke and said to the one standing in front of me, My Lord, pain has come upon me in the vision and I have no strength left in me. Daniel, now in his 80s, Daniel, Daniel knows when he's weak and when he is sick. And he says, I've, I, I hurt and I'm weak. I don't know what to do with this, Daniel says. 17, how can this servant of my Lord speak with my Lord? And I from now on, no strength remains in me. No breath is left in me. Daniel is as down as down can get. I might be a prophet, Lord, but I've got no breath. I've, I might be your champion, but I've got no strength. So in my weakness, what am I going to do, Lord? And this sounds a lot more like me than, a, than like Moses. I'm down, I'm weak, I got no breath, I got nothing, as my sons say. I, I don't know. And what does the Lord do? Last couple verses. The one whose appearance was like, a, was like a man touched me again and strengthened me. He said to me, do not be afraid, you highly valued man. You might say I got nothing, but you are valued by me. Peace to you, be strong, be strong. Um, is, it, is, is it the choir that sings be strong at confirmation time for the kids? Right? Sometimes the kid, but usually it's the choir that sings. I love that song, that confirmation song every year. And as he spoke with me, I was strengthened. And I said, keep speaking, my Lord, because you strengthen me. What was it that strengthens Daniel? You speaking, Lord. Am I right? Is that seven references to word? I think so far, or speech, something like that. It's, I think we're at about seven. We're not, might not even be done. But he said, do you know why I have come to you? I'm not sure about the translation of this sentence because it kind of seems to me like it's almost, you, at last you know why I have come to you. You get it now that my word is what strengthens you. That's why I've come. Share this with your people now, Daniel. And now what does he say? The very next verse. Now I will return to fight against the officer of Persia. But after I leave that battle, the prince of Greece will come. So, um, someday my prince will come. That's not really what this means. But, um, but, it, for, but imagine, though, for the angels in their spiritual warfare, 
They don't really ever get to win, do they? It's like, oh, okay, now this nation rises up, and now this nation rises up, and we finally got rid of the Hindu Kush, and now, oh, now it's the Mongols, and now, now it's the Russians, and now it's going to be somebody else, and it just goes on and on and on. So it's, I just get a new assignment. I don't ever actually get a victory you know, or a victory lap. But, uh, but then, and so after all of that exhausting work that the angels do, do you understand a little bit better why that one angel sitting on the stone at the empty tomb of Christ says, he is not here, and I got to be the one to tell you. I love that line in the gospel. When he, and I got to tell you. Uh, that I just, I, I, that it makes me laugh every Easter when I get to read that out loud. Um, I preached about that one year, but, I, well, anyway, um, not every sermon is a gem. But uh. Nevertheless, I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. Not that, uh, now I know that in, in Revelation, only the lamb can open the book, but could he give the message to an angel to present to the people? You know, so, yeah, maybe. Um, so no one else is supporting me against these enemies except Michael, your prince. So little Israel gets Michael, the archangel, as their defender. And how far back does that, does that go? That little Israel got to have Michael. Well, in the book of Jude, we see Michael defending even the body of Moses. And and, and then in Revelation, he shows up. And he, he, I mean, it's, it seems like Michael is always the archangel for the Jews. So little Judea gets this amazing archangel. And maybe the Philistines didn't have all that much protection, but just had demons. And kind of Michael was there to kind of shoo them away and so forth. But... Uh, but Michael, your prince. And then chapter 11 starts here as kind of a, a conclusion to chapter 10. In the first year of Darius the Mede, I stood up to strengthen and protect him. That's our angel saying, I stood up to strengthen and protect Michael. And the question might be, when would Michael need to be strengthened? And who is this Michael? And who could possibly strengthen him? And that brings us to the question, and I'm sorry I'm kind of going fast here, but we're almost to the end of our time, and I want to get to this slide, um, which is, back to our question, who is this angel? Could it be Christ, or is it maybe not Christ? So I've got on the, on the right of the, of the slide either Jesus or an angel, and on the left, most, maybe not quite all, of the criteria presented in the chapter. So dressed in linen, could that be Jesus or an angel or both? And the answer is, according to Ezekiel, both. Yeah. Uh, belt or sash or item of gold. We see Jesus with it, but we also see angels with it, so both. Um, body like topaz or chrysolite. Kind of translucent, that again, kind of both. Um, especially in Ezekiel, you get things going on with the, uh, the, the um, firmament above them and stuff like that, um, well, above the cherubim. Face like lightning, that's a both. I don't know about eyes like torches with regard to angels, but eh, you know, they're, they're, 
There are things about angels' eyes, though, in Ezekiel, in the, in the wheels and stuff like that. Body, arms, legs like bronze. This, again, is a both. Um, voice like a multitude. Well, with Jesus, like rushing waters, but with angels, sometimes like rushing waters. Causes fear. I'm trying to think if Jesus ever causes fear in somebody. Oh, on the road to, on the road to Damascus. Yeah, okay. All right. So there's both. Can physically touch someone. We talked about this, I think, last time, didn't we? So both. So angels, like when the angel wakes up Peter or rescues the people out of Sodom and so forth, angels can touch. There are a couple more in the book of Acts where angels can touch. Um, and then can help or support or be helped? Well, certainly can. Does Jesus need to be helped by angels? Well, is he helped by angels? The answer is yes. And at, for example, the, the uh, temptation in Mark 1, or in, in Luke's account of the, of the Garden of Gethsemane, angels come and attend him and so forth. And, uh, and then an angel supporting an angel? Why not? Um, and, and, but that brings us to the question of, would, uh, would it have to be an angel of an equal rank helping another angel? Um, in the army, does a sergeant have to be the one to go and help another sergeant? Or could a private help a sarge? And uh, it depends on what you're talking about. If it's just for a moment in a battle, or if it's commanding troops, you know, then... But like I said, archangel might be um, plural in scripture. So I'm left with, I don't know if this is Jesus or an angel. And I know that there are people who have strong opinions about it, and you might have a strong opinion about it, and God bless you if you do, but I'm, I, as a pastor, have to say, I feel uncomfortable telling you it must be one or the other. And I'm not happy that some have said it must be one or the other. Because I think angel would be okay here. And if I stand before my Savior on Judgment Day and he says, you know, when you were teaching Daniel 10, I'll say, yes, Lord, I, I repent of that too. But, but I, 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 you know, when we see it's Jesus, we're usually clear that it's Jesus. And here we're not. And to me, that suggests maybe it's not. Because it's not that clear. You know, there's still a question. And Jesus wouldn't leave us wondering, so... We'll continue next time. God bless you. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.